Hi folks, welcome to another edition of the Constables Convos podcast. Today we welcome actor extraordinaire Chris Riley. Chris, a fellow banker, has just finished filming in Guy Ritchie's new film Cash Truck and you may have seen him in popular TV series Game of Thrones playing two different characters. Not too bad from a boy from Clyde Bank. I was well chuffed he could pop into the studio and have a chat with yours truly. As always, thank you very much for tuning in. I really hope you enjoy the show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for the Constos Convos Podcast. Chris, how you doing, mate? You alright? Not so bad, Brian. How's yourself? Mate, I'm doing really good. I'm uh, well chuffed you came. Thanks very much for asking me. You've uh, We've previously spoke about you on the podcast because uh, our mutual friend has been on the show, Dom. Dom. Dom Reynolds, Mr. N- Reynolds. Known him a long time, man. He told me the story because obviously you're from Claybank, I'm from Claybank. Aye. So it was just a, a natural thing that I thought. I think we always talk about movies. You're kind of you're one of the most famous guys from Claybank, there. Maybe. No, really, no. Je- uh, Kevin Bridges is probably about the top man. Kevin Bridges, and you've got a golf caddy who's actually a, pair, a friend of mine as well, a boy called Craig Conley. He does the the European tour. You've got Tommy Cunningham as well, who I think now owns a pub in Claybank. He used to be wet, wet, the wet. West End. Uh, and and you've got you've, uh, you've got and Duncan Bannatyne's quite big as well. Bannatyne's the, the 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 daddy, isn't he? Really, he's the <laughs> old, but the he's the richest probably. Aye, definitely, definitely richest. Uh, so I spoke to Dom, and I says like, how, how do you know? And he went to the store. I think he's done. I think you were doing plays at the time. No, I was doing. I, I got into. I got into work. I got into acting quite late. I got in through through amateur dramatics. I was. I was running a, a kind of charity at the time, and I was needing a bit of headspace because it was it was quite a lot in the head. And um, I got into amateur dramatics, and Dominic, I think his sister or his sister in law, was his sister in law was in the same show as me at the King's Theatre, and we met there. And then later on, when I decided to take things a bit more seriously, uh, Dominic employed me in a couple of radio plays, and he, we've always kept in touch. And now we're actually starting to make things together, so um, that's quite exciting. I seen a project he did send me. I don't know if we talk about it or whatever, but it looked really good. Looked the really, short film, aye, the stills from the wee, the set, aye. I won't give away too much. It's up to you if you want to talk about that. No, no, well, it I would really good, mate. I know? won't tell you anything about it. But that's my first kind of foray into producing stuff. Um, Dominic and John, his writing partner, um, are fantastically talented writers. And any time I read a script, I always set it against the standard that they've consistently produced because they send me most of the things that they do just to read and offer feedback and they've actually been coaching me into a bit of writing on my own which I found out I just don't have the talent for so I don't I really don't and I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and and it's time to cut my losses Um, (laughs) so I've decided that that production and producing actual hands-on making stuff is is where I can also get my kicks Um, you're a visual guy do you think then I think I think I'm more a practical person right okay when I go we just had that for you. Listen, guys, just to cut off, we were just setting up the, the podcast and even going back on the previous ones. I've fucked up a few times and he schooled me. He knows quite a bit. A bit. Surprised I, I, I bet. I've got my own wee studio and, and, and I sometimes, because of lockdown, 
the ADR, the automatic dialogue stuff that I do onto films and the other voiceover work that I do in the audiobooks, they'll kind of require a home studio now. And if you're if you're to keep on working, especially in army, aye. That's it. So um, I I I got I got some good advice from some great people, and they built the wee studio for me, so I can I can. It's brilliant. I love all the techie stuff. That's how I kind of one of the reasons I've done this an extension of like the photography and the video and that. I'm like I just love learning post work and how aye. to record and capture it as the best you can and. Well, see technology now, you can actually start to make your own stuff. This is kind of where Dominic and John and I are going. It's like a, a lot of the barriers you get towards your work are people either wanting an input that seems crazy or saying something just for the fact that they want to say something or kind of taking ownership and control and they've got loads of other things going on and so it drags out. If you make your own stuff, if you actually just go out there and go, right, fuck it, I'm going to actually do I something. Like, I keep on calling him Ben Stiller, but it's Adam Sandler. <laughs> Aye. See a guy like that, whether you like him or not, he's created his full thing, you know, and Aye. he brings all his pals in to constantly Aye. work, trying new pro- uh, projects, he brings in different writers, directors, and I, 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 I'm like, he's done it. Aye. He's became like a kingpin in himself, hasn't he? Aye. Well, you, met, you, met, uh, you Adam Sandler, you mentioned, and he he actually has made one of my favourite films of the year, uh, Uncut Gems. Have you seen that? Mental Man. Was uh, not expecting that. Not at expecting all. it for My kids like him. Aye. And it turned it on. Sometimes I read my boy, as I said before, I let him watch a lot of things. I don't mind he's a good boy in that, but I said, like, this is not for you, mate. Aye. Well, I've got so much respect for comedians and comedic actors in particular, you know, like the, the old school ones, Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor and all those guys that made those fantastic films. But They can I, act. They can act. But I, I, the reason I admire it so much is because comedy is just not my thing. But for a comedian to come into the serious world, you often get, you often hear them no doing so well but this one particular film this uncut james really blew me away it was it was it was crazy it was <clears> just it was even funny to get guys like uh, what's the big basketball player i can't remember his name lebron is it no it's an odd boy is it durant or something a big huge guy but even he didn't he wasn't like cheesy sometimes you go i uh, i can tell that he's just bringing him in he's an idol or something he's a terrible actor but it was really good man i get really sucked into that movie. i'm like what is happening because there's a few mad bits as well isn't there i just felt it was really authentic do you know it was the, the the speed of it those the the, the kind of characterization of the the kind of new york you know those you those hated guys. them as well ah, you? <laughs> you love them and you hate them at the same time because they're, they're, I, I just thought it was fantastic and i was really really impressed by by him in it i just thought he, he Aye, I was, it was, uh, I loved that. But he made it, back to making your own stuff, he consistently, constantly makes his own stuff, I just, cuts I his own path. I do constantly like it. We watching it, it's some of the kids' favourite movies, we got a pattern and everything. <clears throat> uh, I just constantly like him. Dom, I've actually had the conversation, he doesn't like him. He hates him when I'm at it, I guess. Each their own, but Aye. I think it's brilliant stuff that he's doing. And uh, going back, just flipping back, I remember, right, I, I never forget a face, right? Right, I'm terrible. When I, when I, everybody's <laughs> getting a superpower thing. I just never forget a face, which can be a weird thing as well, because if I spy <clears throat> somebody from random places, I'm just like, what do I know that face? Aye. I'd done my <clears throat> final project at college for photography uh, at a boxing club in Clybank, run by Barry Winters. Winter. Barry Winters. <clears throat> I've got a picture of you. Oh, have you? Breathing I've been going your ass. Must have been a wee span hang, right? <clears throat> so you're just sitting, you're staring at and. Yeah, a few mutual friends as well. You actually worked in a place that I met my wife pretty much. Wow. 
John Hamilton's pharmaceuticals. Ah, yeah, I did work in John. That was we were I, legal drug dealers. That's right, legal drug. I was sixteen years old when I worked every single night after school. My first job was when I was fifteen. Because it's usually that's how I get into it. Because you could do that Aye. kind of shift, the evening shift. Aye, the evening shift. So it was five to eight. Yep. For three pound thirty-three an hour. Mate, <laughs> I've, still, I've still got the pay slips and everything. So uh, my mate Peter. Do you remember Eddie Eagle? No, Peter. Um... Peter McElhoney. I know Peter McElhoney. I know because I don't know what it, it was. He just mentioned you because I think you do a good pal. Peter's cousins with my brother's uncle. That's pretty bad. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, that's right. Aye. So I, again, I'd heard of you, right? Big so, Frizzell, Big Martin. Do you remember him? Big Bonsey. Big Bonsey, aye. Aye, aye, good pal. Uh, I'm <laughs> cool with Bonsey. It says small world, right? Aye, aye. So I'm sitting and watching, and I think it was Channel 4. Oh, no, it was maybe one of these cable shows that this uh, TV station would get customs not custom stuff but you'd make people would make their own content and they'd show it aye and you'd done a hang I don't know listen 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 right right yours was dead funny because I'm sure it was like a an English boy or something that was a bit deep fried food deep fried Mars bars deep fried Scotland it was called on current TV because the mushroom you're like that's actually pretty good but it was like you saved the Mars bar to the end I just laughed and I'm like you can tell he's oh man that's beautiful see the guy that made that the guy that made that is the most interesting character you will ever meet um, he's, he's, and he's now been given was he an Asian boy or something he's actually Palestinian right okay and he's a Palestinian Christian and his husband um, exactly is a I guy really that, that I have always known but I never knew that they were a couple for long enough I lived with him for six months in London I never Just knew they were a couple I, that, that, that he is one of the most interesting characters that you would ever meet and if you're talking about a minority of a minority of a minority he's Palestinian He's a Christian Palestinian, and he's also a gay man. Which is frowned upon in both A married gay man. How many of those guys are in the world? And do you know, when he was nominated for an Oscar for his film Ave Maria in 2016, and the BBC were over over reporting on diversity, they never included him, and he was there on a British ticket. He's, he's too, half he Palestinian, he's the rest of British. No, they just, they just, it just flew under the radar. Ah, and he should have won that Oscar. He was tipped to win it in about nine out of ten of the trade papers. Anyway, he's, I've just finished making a film with him in Israel uh, just before lockdown. Actually, we've to go back and do a few extra days, but just before lockdown. Gaza or something was it called? It's called A Gaza Weekend. Right, it's he, he's that's he, his first feature, and um, he, he was given it's like a two million pound budget from I think it's film four. And um, another another source, but he's that's he's, funny because was that like one of the first times you were on TV? Maybe current TV that was definitely the first I time. I loved it. It was so random. They had some stuff that obviously wasn't up to scratch, but some of the stuff, and I've just it was just randomly, and I'm like, that's that boy Peter. Well, see, while I was doing, see, while I was doing the the while I was doing the stuff with with, with him, it was a. Uh, we we done some stuff about magic carpets, right? That sounds left field as hell. But we we done some YouTube channels about magic carpets, right? Um, I'm cutting about with estates and my pants talking about you know it, you it was this thing, right? And um, that's how we met. Just when I was doing the amateur stuff, and he we've kept in touch. Like we're we're we're, we're like it's pretty like you good and Dom friends. As well, isn't it? I mean, Dom People and, must and, like you, mate. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we 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 I was staying with him actually near Christmas time um, I, they'd got a flat because they were staying in Venice before and, and I decided to pay a bit of rent and I don't think they liked me living with them because I was just a, 
<laughs> early mornings and late nights and I don't, I don't think Burning the candle at both I ends. think maybe I, I but no because I not because I can out or anything but because I work oh, I was working hard I was working a film down there and it was early starts and late finishes so um, that's funny man how <clears> just things go full circle and again just during lockdown I don't actually watch much TV anymore I'm a YouTube guy for a reason I like right. podcasts blah blah old stand up shows and things but my wife loves it and cheats up, but sometimes she's like, this is really good. Aye. And it was one, she didn't actually say it, and it was the Rillington Place. Rillington Place, I did. Um... And you popped up in that, and, it, and again, that goes back to when I was a wee boy. My <clears> mum, <throat> like, I grew up in Canada, but we had, my mum used to buy his beanos and blah, blah, used to give us books, but it was a British one, and I can't remember, but Christy was in it. Aye. And it was a wee guy, and I'm like, he just looks evil. You know that picture, he's kind of standing dead straight, the baldy head and the glasses, and... Tim Roth killed it, you know what I mean? Oh, he did. Aye, aye. How good is he, man? Tim Roth is 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 one of the most generous actors I've ever worked with, and on a on a you know actually in the moment when you're working together, and it's weird because I, the best of you. He, he's no, he's just he's just incredibly generous. He's all about making you look good, which is a, a great trait to have as an as an actor. Which was a real surprise because in the read through for the show, he was a bit a dickhead. I find that with some people too. Like some people I really like, right? It goes on. The initial <clears> thing is, I no bend. Well, and then the more you get to know them, for, and for whatever reason, it could be maybe to put the guard up initially with people, or they're having a bad day, or they're doing their job. You just never know. But then you're like, you really. When he had his work head on, he was I uh, was an amazing person to work with. When he was when we were doing the round table sort of thing, I, I was a wee bit put out by the the real quietness of it, and there was a lot of other people that were kind of depending on him, hearing him, and. Uh, just, some of the comments and stuff like that. I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't expect that he, he cares a hell of a lot about it. But I was so surprised when I got to work with him because actually working with him, he, he, he I learned a lot, and also he, he was incredibly generous, incredibly generous. His first thought was about making you look good and about allowing for your performance. Um, him, him, and Samantha Martin both. Yeah, it, was um, a, it was fantastic. I, the way it was shot, actually. Shot, I, I was reading in like the Martin and things. Shot in the Martin where River City is, aye. That's mad, I didn't even know it. I was aye. literally just, what, and I, I was really, <clears> I'm like, that was so cool. I'm telling everybody I've heard it and the more I looked into it. Aye. When you're coming on, I'm like, I just, I like to see where things are shot and blah, blah. I'm like, the Martin's? Aye, River City, just up at River City. They use like exteriors and interiors, I think, didn't they? They no, they just built the they built the street and they built the interiors and um, they had some other stuff to do in London Where as well. Where is that in the Martin then? Uh, so you, you just head up the 82 and you take a left for uh, Dumbarton City Centre and there's a right-hand turn that you take into the studios there. You can actually see some of the kind of tenement sets that are up there. Um, I'll go cycling by there. I might try and get a wee nose or something. River City's got a studio at the back where they do all the interiors and then they've got all the exteriors. They've got a full-blown street. A bit Coronation Street, actually, or a bit EastEnders. East End, uh, EastEnders has got the same Coronation Street. I don't know that same. as well from being in EastEnders. I was sitting there watching again, like, when I first started going with my wife many moons ago, we, she used to love soaps. We used to watch it in EastEnders. So I hadn't seen it for years, and then I'm like, there's Chris again, man, turning up. Well, that was another relationship that I built up here when I was doing the amateur stuff. So I, there was a couple of people that were really good to me when I was just kind of thinking about maybe becoming an actor, and River City was... Was uh, was was one of them, um, and there was a lady there called Sandra McIver who was the producer at the time, and she employed me later on on Doctors, and then Dan Wilson who was the director that I worked with there, he was the guy on EastEnders, 
and they had a script that they couldn't release or they didn't want to release because it had some sensitive stuff in it. So he just phoned me directly. I was walking to do a play at Hampstead Theatre, a play called 45, playing a guy called Riley, spelt slightly differently, but that... The wrong that, way. Aye, aye, <laughs> the wrong way. Anyway, so I was walking across Hampstead Heath, trying, you, know, no, you know... As you do. Right? As you do, but, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't ducking any hedges or anything, but... <laughs> um, and I got a phone call off of Dan Wilson, just out of the blue, and I seen his name come up my, my uh, phone. All right, Chris, how are you doing? Do you fancy doing a couple of episodes of EastEnders? I'm like, ah, he says, I can't send you the script. You need to get it when you get here. I'm like, okay. Why is that just confidential it, they stuff? They just didn't want it. Yeah, there was something in it about, there was Roxy's child being kidnapped or something at the time, and, and so they, they, they didn't want to divulge it to the I wider. I want to keep that stuff under wraps, isn't they? That's the shock value. Aye, so that was a straight offer. Dan, Dan phoned me up. Do you want to come in? I'm like, I need bother. <laughs> you started with you end up working with aye and, and then working with them that was pretty cool walking in and meeting everybody there and uh, that was that was, a, that was a good thing and these are all jobs that I did after just after leaving drama school because I went to drama school age 30 and I left when I was 31 where did you was it Wales or something Royal Welsh College why you go all the way down there we don't get stuff up here Royal Welsh College is a fantastic drama school it's consistently voted very very highly in the world rankings and the, 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 their style of teaching very much suited me that and the fact that um, there was a BAFTA grant available to go there and there was also a Scottish government um, kind of agreement between the two Celtic nations that they could um, fund it so they, it was I mean, it's not a certain thing but you need to apply for it so I applied to the Scottish government for funding they gave me um, they paid my fees BAFTA gave me a scholarship, effectively, or a, 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 a payment yep. um, every term. Um, I so that was that was. Were you doing yourself in that then? Just doing myself. I just went, I just decided to up sticks and go. Tough. So I abandoned my career. No, it was it was. I wouldn't say it was tough. Um, it was it was daunting. It was unsettling. Even at age thirty, kind of leave the security of, of your mates, a, the, your mates, a good your, paying job, yeah, a career yeah, path, everything behind you, and just kind of start again. And something that, let's be honest, most people are not going to make a career. At the time I left drama school in 2009, I don't know what it is now, but the statistic was that less than 5% of actors earn more than £5,000 a year and as, a, as an actor. Yeah, and that's the guys that leave with good qualifications or agents or whatever. So many people fall by the ways because it's such a difficult, difficult game. It is, mate. It, it's so many people want to do it as well. That's why this podcast just naturally has been a lot of people, actors, directors and stuff is like, I love it, but we all love it. Aye. How we talk, how we act. Mm-hmm. I think that's why America became the biggest, one of the reasons they became the strongest, biggest country in the world is because our culture just transcended through film and music Aye. and stuff, you know? I mean, it's only really when you get further into it that you realise how important a country's projection of its culture is in setting the size of or, or its perceived size on the world stage. Of course. Um, so I, that that probably has. But now things are changing. We've had uh, guys on and they're saying they're working in Bulgaria. They're doing stuff all over the world. And even you're saying there, you, you can record from the house the, the animation thing. What I've just read, just random guys. I think uh, uh, what was it? Is it Norm? It was in Cheers, the Postman. Mm. He does all the sort of Toy Story, Pixar movies. Mm-hmm. I think he's the highest grossing actor, you know, of all his movies accumulated. Not his oh. personal wealth, Aye. but just because he's in these movies that just make millions and he's in basically them all. Just getting, so he's just sitting back, chilling in there. I don't even know if they go to the studios anymore to do it. Just getting... We, if you've got a cool checks. voice, <laughs> you know? Aye. Well, I mean, I suppose the, 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 the portable nature of the industry is that you can pretty much shoot 
most things, most places, especially studio spaces. So if you can rely on having good crew, you can film in South Africa, Bulgaria, you can film in Australia, you can film in, you know, anywhere you want. podcast today, like just before was like there's a music uh, recording studio across the road and he's got these big consoles really beautiful and i guess you need it but lots of guys are doing stuff now on their laptops uh, calvin harris i'm sure he started making beats on his laptop and you just i think he's the world's richest dj or was something. it daniel beddingfield his first single was made in his i mean we're not quite at that stage with filming tv yet which is no, but, but but i think there are equipment's definitely becoming yeah. cheaper um and there's so many different creative solutions to to more expensive equipment you know especially the rigging and the the, the stuff that you use to set up there's there's a lot more but you're still traveling. Are you, am I right? Did you do something with Guy Ritchie recently? Aye, I was, I was, um, I was, I, I, well, that, that, that's another really kind of fortunate one. Um, the casting director and I um, met and, and kind of built up a relationship uh, on, on a previous job that I was doing in Rome, um, a job called Devils. And, um, Devils was was is that the Oliver Reed? Is that a remake of the old? No, no, no. That's the one with Patrick Dempsey um, and Alessandra Borgi. I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I apologise if I'm not. And Laya Laya Costa, the other three stars in that. So I, I played Patrick Dempsey's uh, villainous um, enforcer, basically um, yeah, okay. the, the 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 guy that goes and does all the dirty work. They always use the Scottish guys for that, don't they? They played me English. They played me. They played me London Estuary. Aye. You got it. Most of my works in accents, most 70%. Honestly? Aye. Honestly. Aye, honestly. Mostly, I take it. Mostly. Uh, no, no. I, I, English. So I'm working on cash truck as an American with everyone else I was working with as American. Um, That's which, the guy Richie Flick, isn't it? That, that, well, it was called cash truck. It's now called Wrath of Men. Oh, I thought you had, I'm just thinking Guy Ritchie, the British crew, has a Scottish guy, so. No, no, I was American. I was Scottish, but, but the only reason I got a look in for that part was because I'd already done the work in Italy through the casting director who I think stuck his neck out and said this guy's you know of the standard that you would require because it's quite a big part Mate, you're a great actor I'll give you that um, so he, he put me up for that and um, the, we, I, I, I never really took the accent off so I don't know I, I know I, I've been out for dinner with the producers and stuff like that so they know that I'm Scottish but um, I, I any time we met, I was well, an American. What I wonder, right, with that is, you, like, you're a guy, we know, like, a Cockney one, we know a Geordie, Aye. Yorkshire, Glaswegian differences between Edinburgh. I always think, American, what do they do? Because Americans have got different accents as well. We know a guy from our East or the West, they Midwest. Do. So you keep, you keep one or two in your back pocket and then you tune in depending on the character because the characters, get, it's more about the character's voice than it is about the actual you've, accent. You've, I think American as well, you've just got that. Aye generic one a wee bit Aye. as well you steal the accent from a specific person if you want to do accents properly steal it from a specific person this is how i do it there's other ways of doing it you know phonically and you can read the books but i tend to do things that are more intuitive steal it from a person so if you think your characters sounds a bit like george clooney then listen to george clooney or you think he sounds a bit like ben stiller then listen to ben stiller steal it for them and then you tweak it and move it up and down your register or higher up or lower up or then you tweak it for the character. That's the only way to do it. And then you need to do it and do it and do it and do it or else you'll end up 
doubting yourself and that's when you sound like a twat yeah I've heard people kind of staying in character but even that Rillington place I was reading more up on it because I really like that movie and I love reading up after I see something and it was saying the boy that played the Evans I can't remember his name but the kind of falsely accused boy and he was changing accents somebody noticed that but apparently he as a person done that as well because he wanted to be accepted he was a Welshman moving to London a people pleaser aye well, maybe I'm that too, because I've moved right. here from Canada and I had right. lost my, and I was always, you know, a bus going from Faithfully to high school, right? Mm. Mobbed. John John Morrow bus, 10 pence. It was Aye. like, it was like one of these things at a new deli, you know, they just packed mm-hmm. and everybody shouting and I'm, I was always like, I don't want to talk too much, you know, because they'll just jump on me, you know? And I felt people say, how come your brother's still getting an accent? I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. But then again, you'll see... So Scandinavian football players play Aye. for, you know, Morgan Vicos comes to Celtic within two weeks. Like, cheers, mate. Nice Aye. one, you know, after his Aye. interview. I think just certain people just change. Some people never change. I've got family. Like, my dad's, like, Greek. He's been in Canada for, God, man, 50-odd years. He's not got a Canadian accent, you know? Right. I don't know. I, it's, I think when you're younger, young I well. think especially when you're younger, you're I was more, only about more, nine, ten. So. I, I mean, I, I, I know flatmate of mine came to Glasgow when he was fifteen, I think it was, and he, he sounds completely Glaswegian. Where from did he come from? London or something, right? Aye. So it's I, I, I get that, but you're, you're you're right. The fella is right. The your accents do change. So for the head, which I was filming in Tenerife, that's um, that's an HBO series with HBO Asia and, and Hulu Japan. That was a that was an American accent, but he'd spent a lot of time in Europe, and he was he'd been living in the Antarctic for ten years in in the research station. So his accent had changed. Well, it was it was actually just the janitor of the whole place, but surrounded by scientists from all different areas of the globe. So you've got to take that into account when you're creating the accent as well. It's it's interesting. It's really it's one of the aspects of the work that I find really really interesting. I haven't seen this movie, and I'm surprised because I like the whole like I love like mountain. I wouldn't say mountain climbing, hill walking, you know. Aye. And the Scottish taking landscape photos, and you're on the one called Everest. Oh, I was in that very, 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 very quickly. I mean, that that was one. You're talking death person. Practically, practically an extra in that job. Although I was doing it for eleven weeks, there was such a big cast of people there. I mean, I spent three weeks in in the Italian Alps, which is amazing, and oh, uh, there, five man. weeks in the Rome. Dolomites, is that? I don't know if it's... A, I just know it's the Italian Alps. Right. Um, Shan style region or, or... They speak German, even though they're Italians. Yeah, they speak German. Yeah, I've heard German. that. Like Giorgio Ramoda, I don't know if you know him. The, he does the music for... What's that movie? The Turkish Prison. The American Boys. Oh, I don't know. Midnight Express. Right. Giorgio Ramoda done stuff with the Donna Summer and stuff. You'll know... You'll know lots of music you know, but... He's got the name, but you see him, he's quite fair-skinned and he speaks German. Aye. And well, Moroder, the last name's obviously a bit more German-speaking, but... The culture there's completely German as well. So, you heard of an actor called Clive Stanton. Uh, he's Rolo from uh, Vikings. Lovely big guy. Anyway, what he's Rolo? Rolo the Berserker, the that? big crazy guy. The, the, the big the, unit? The big unit. Aye, aye. So, um, anyway, he is a lovely guy. Where's and, he from? Uh, he's, he's from London. He just stays in London. Anyway, we we were um, we were in uh, we were doing Everest together, and we were in this uh, hotel uh, in the Italian Alps. And in the hotel, because they have German culture, even though they're Northern Italian, the sauna and the whole kind of steam room and that whole area is is a naked place. You know, you go down naked. A lot of the cast were saying, "I'm not going to be naked." And I'm thinking, when in Rome, you know. 
So I'm cutting about. At the, least it's hot. It's no cold. I'm <laughs> cutting about the place with my boys, out and um, I'm in the I'm, I'm in the jacuzzi, and Clive comes in. It's just me, just me myself in the jacuzzi. Just you know, whatever. And uh, Clive comes in. He's got his trunks on, and he sits in the jacuzzi. And I'm talking away to him, and I th- try to think of a, a way of getting out of the fact that. I need to, I'm getting like a wrinkled prune here. I need to go to the <laughs> toilet. How do I explain to this guy who's just jumped in the jacuzzi with me that I've not got any trunks on? Brushing <laughs> up against him. What was that? And it ended up, I got so desperate to go to the toilet that I had to just stand up. And as I stood up in front of Rolo, this big unit, the the, the water was at height where it was just kissing <laughs> the bottom of my bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> you had a moment, didn't you? We had a definite <laughs> moment. Um, I still keep in touch with Clive. Clive's a nice guy. Yeah. That's cool, mate. You, you forget about it. That's, I guess that's one of the best part of your job. Even for me, doing the photography, I love doing weddings because I get to see all these different places I've never seen before. And Aye. I think a common theme is like you really start to understand people when you visit different places and you get a bit more work. Definitely. And, uh, I've got like a young family, so we don't travel too much and it's a great way. Like your work, you're saying I was in Rome there. You know, Stayed in Rome for six months. It was lovely. Just at the top of um, La Villa Borghese, the, the big park. Beautiful. I, I, often I'd just walk to work. They send cars and stuff, but if it was in the city centre, I'd, I'd just tell them to send me a, a code of where to go and I would walk through the Villa Borghese in the morning. So Pizza getting. for breakfast, beautiful. Aye. You Stunning. wash your weight over there for your film rolls or that pasta uh, and pizza? Uh, aye, they had me training Red every wine. night. Um, I was, it was a, that, that was a kind of gym every night type job, but... Um, because I put weight on dead easy, but I refuse to. I refuse not to enjoy myself, you know. Especially when you're in Rome and the food is so good, and um, the the experience that's to be had out there is is. I mean, I walk, one late night it was raining, and I walked through the Vatican at, at like I don't know half eleven at night, twelve o'clock at night. There was nobody there, Freaking. you know, just walking through Vatican City and. Um, so, I, again, I, I've never been. I don't know. So like the Vatican is that? I always pictured it enclosed. It's it's it, it's no it's it's a it's like a big grand piazza with a kind of horseshoe around um, Saint Peter's is it I and then you can the there, main there, square aye and then you, you there's fountains and stuff and there's definitely a demarcation where you where you hit the kind of uh, Rome Rome territory again because it's its own obviously it's got its own wee post office and stuff like that yeah that's what I mean and it, it, I've heard like even uh, somebody was saying over there and like you just walk and you can see things that are just worth so much money aye when you go inside the, the yeah, actual I think he was talking about mosaics on he'd seen this bit and he's like that was from centuries ago there's a and... statue there I think it's, it's a Michelangelo Pieta it's called um, and it's it's basically Christ in his mother's arms and it's the most beautiful man made thing I've ever seen in my life I stood first time I've ever seen it I've seen it a few times now First time I've ever seen it, I, I stood in front of it for an hour, just soaking looking at in, it, aye. soaking in. The scale of Christ, and he is, is he's a smaller, even though he's a grown man at the time, he's 33 or whatever when he died, he's he's somehow smaller, and and, and, the, and his mother is, is depicted as being quite big, and, and you can see, it's the look in her face, it's the, it's the kind of accepting resignation, but still great grief, it's a, it's, it's the most stunning thing I've ever seen and I defy anybody to stand in front of it and, and look at it and go, eh, you know, I don't. Although my friend did at the time, I was there, I was there with, when I did Devils, there was a, was my mate's a comedian, uh, Paul Chowdhury, his name is, and he was in the, he was in the show as well and he was kind of, he was cutting about making a, 
I don't know whether he was making a, a, an Instagram video or whatever, but he was walking past me. I'm stood in awe, looking at this uh, thingy. There's Chris beating in front of the statue. <laughs> and, and he stood there making comment on, uh, like, like, just really weird comments on the different things that are, how that are going that on. How old is that, How old is the, the statue? Aye. It's got to be 300 years ago, or something like that, I, I, I mean, I... I, I you could look it up, but I've. I, I just, I'm always just trying. It's what you says. Like, how good is that to last that amount of time? We do stuff that we think's amazing. What are we going to remember things for hundreds of years? It doesn't happen much. Ah, this is the most stunning piece. I'm trying to do that, which we'd probably say not primitive, but we always say with all our technology, everything we can do, everything we know now, like we can't recreate this stuff. We, you know? I, I mean, this this is a in terms of skills using your hands and, and making Doing actual day things, day they, 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 no they, other, I, like, I'm terrible as it says, watching movies now, the first thing is like, oh, I'm dying to see, much of this make at the box I, office, you know, and because there's no mechanical chisels then, or there's no, no, you know, you need to sand it by hand and all these other things. So that, that, that actual piece was, was made uh, old school. I'd love to go over, I'd, I'd say Rome, I'm a wee bit thinking with big crowds now, but I'd love to go see like the Colosseum, the food as you mentioned, the Vatican, just at all. That's that's actually quite high on my list of places to visit. To be honest, it is amazing. It's a it's a very very spiritual experience as well. Like they they have mass and um, they only really want you to go to mass if you're if you're they don't want tourists there effectively. It's, it's they want somebody people. that's there for having it. So they'll know that people like me and Paul went um, and and Paul seek. Um, I think he's lapsed Sikh, but uh, he, 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 you know, we went in as well. Never grew up with it. No. But it's for the spiritual experience rather than that. So you can, you can go, and at the end they do confessions. Um, and so you can go to, if, if you're of that ilk, you can go. You and were you there can for do an hour as well. A confession, aye. And it's a face-to-face job with, it reminds me of an Argentinian um, Jesuit. Uh, it was um, it was pretty, pretty cool. I love that, man. It's, mm. it's, again, no, I'm not even religious. Both my parents different religions and I think you sometimes <clears throat> don't get the the same input and they both kind of lapsed I guess and but I love some of these churches I visit again for even shooting these weddings I'm like amazing Aye. and then went to New York and seen I can't remember but they've got their famous one I'm like look at that that was built I've never been to New York immigrants. is it St. Patrick's You've or something never been no in? I've never been to New York what? No. or St. Jude's or what's the one what's the big one what did you say the first one St. St. Patrick's or St. Jude's it's something like that but I'm sure yeah. it was done by the immigrants that right. put a shift in working with stone all day and Aye. then going to do that in the evening, you know, and it's Aye. just like the sacrifice and you see it like, wow. Aye. I'm an honestly believer that religion pushes people to do great things. I think quite a lot, if you actually see a lot of football players, right? Mm-hmm. Especially sportsmen. If you look, listen to fighters, people in the Olympics, they tend to thank God. Whether what God it is, but it's that supreme thing that just makes them... Push to these max. Aye, but everybody's got a different idea, haven't they? Everybody's got a different idea. Jonathan Edwards was a famous Christian that, that lapsed the triple jumper with the world record, and he, he I think, his faith lapsed now. Um, or you get people that, that, you, that you, wonder, you wonder how they kept them till together. Mar- Maradona was a famous Christian, wasn't he? A famous, famous, you know, famously staunchly Aye. Catholic. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if you've seen pictures of him recently. Coke, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> it does all right. Um, so, uh, Senna. Um, so I, it, it's, um, I think like Hollywood fighting Tyson at the time Tyson was the most feared guy. You grew up the same time as me. It's like everybody was scared of Tyson. He was the first boxer, in my opinion, that went in there not scared of him. Maybe I. And he says, and that was his fault. Like, what, what was the deal? How come he's like, no, no man will 
can kill me, you know, only God could judge me or that sort mm. of stuff. And he just, you looking at me like he believes that. And right. that's what takes away that fear or whatever that he done it. And again, that's why Tyson bit his ear off because he knew he couldn't intimidate him. Mike Tyson's another fascinating character. He's he? back again and he's fighting again. He's doing the podcast. He's licking toads bellies. He's mad. <laughs> and whatever, like when I grew up, I just thought like, Raw power, crazy man, no intelligence. Even you actually listen to him, I loved watching. Crazy intelligent. It's Aye. just because the way he talks and Aye. the way he looks, you just people dismiss him. I loved his style. Um, I love uh, when I've just mentioned Elton Senna there, and, and um, there's another guy, Philippe Petit, that I really admire. I think what I admire about these people is their absolute focus on one task and the beautiful place that you go into when you're. So committed into doing one thing, that drive, that that through the line. State, just, uh, you just hit that. Mike Tyson had that when he was fighting, oh, especially in the younger years. I mean, he was just an absolute machine. I, I, I sometimes his fights would be on before I would go to school in the morning. I'd be sitting there watching him annihilate somebody in two or three rounds. <laughs> you're gonna be late for school. I trust <laughs> me. <it's not> <laughs> I'm no, I'm no moving, Dad. Um, but it was the beauty, the, the style, the speedy hud that kind of. That that peekaboo, but the the way his chest would almost scoop the floor as he was coming in and under the, the fight. Part, I used to say the peekaboo coming up with that dynamite punch in somebody's chin. It was game the over. The way he used his stocky stature to his advantage as well. Like actually, being five foot eleven was was more effective to him than being six foot eleven. Do you know what I mean? Aye, it was he was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. So is that part of the thing you wanted? Were you in big in the boxing? Was it a fitness thing or totally just fitness? No, no I'm a terrible boxer. I've done it since I was 19. It's guys are just so good. Aye. <laughs> it's like you're going to get jabbed in the face. Aye. And it's uh, like my boys do the boxing in our, and all the ones had this fight and he, he spars and stuff and he, he's get really good. Uh, same as you're just not good enough to, and you get punched in the face too much and it's just not that fun. But it's such a, the exercise, the confidence and everything gives you. Gives Barry you. was brilliant. Aye. He let me shoot quite a lot down there because that was a cool wee place as well. Gives you a lot of confidence. Um, but but also it, te- it teaches you an awful lot about humanity and about people and also about your own self. So what I suppose the, the, it teaches you is that you, the impermanence of being at the top of your game, like the amount of, you, 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 if you're not tuning your instrument all the time, you're, you're, you're not going to stay at the top. And that time, that potential as a human being for your human body to do one particular thing that you've got all uh, needs to come together needs to come together what you've done as you says the age how you're built your style of fighting all these things come together and that's like like, I don't know if Tyson wants to do it but free world no problem see if two guys want to fight good with it so I think in order to find real satisfaction and kind of step beyond that you need to constantly be challenging yourselves and learning new things and trying new things and getting those stars to align at different periods in your life because at different periods in your life different things are going to be possible. You know, I know that anything, you know, you can do pretty much anything you set your mind to. I believe so as well, mate. When you're a kid. But there is a point, I suppose, when... There's a lot of things, like, as well, what you just said there was true, and then somebody says, well, I want to be a basketball player. I'm like, well, you're... You're, you're an 80-year-old guy, it's not going to happen, you know, but, but... if you want to get to something, just take away that fear and go for it. Good thing with the boxing is, uh, is trailers like, look, Jack, just get in. You're going to get clipped a few times. He says, that's the scary part. He says, see, when the guys get punched once, it's gone. Right. You're not fearful of getting hit. You relax and you tend to not get hit as much. Aye. Because it's not in the back of your mind. As soon as the shoulders drop. Yeah. Aye, as soon as the shoulders drop and a fighter, you see a fighter relax, then you know that they're, they're comfortable. And what you're saying too, you go against guys that, you know, spank you. And so you get a bit of humble as well. I get spanked by, by I, I get black eyes off a 
17-year-old boys. Well, you had thing there at that time uh, who became pro, uh, Gary MacArthur. Gary. I get a cracking picture of him. <laughs> Gary's Absolute a good fighter. beauty of him, right? Yeah, Gary would run Before rings Before he went me. pro. Aye. And I, and I knew it was good because I remember talking to Barney, he says, aye, he's going pro, uh, maybe a wee bit sooner than like, but I keep an eye out on him and, and I had this picture and he, he had a really good start, didn't he, initially in his career. Aye. A lot of support for Clive Bank, but he fought in the playroom as well. He did. And he had a bit of bad luck with uh, a result, which uh, wasn't really fair, but uh, uh, it's just one of the things. It's, it's hard. You need to keep on that track, but you need a lot of luck. There's a lot of politics. There's a lot of politics. I get that, but I have spoke to people about this before, and it doesn't just relate to boxing. I'm calling it the gravity of poverty. So in order to escape poverty, kids, young people, who have grown up without anything, working class kids, they've grown up without anything, they need to achieve a certain amount of momentum to try and escape the gravity of, of poverty and get into orbit. And there are so many things that keep pulling you back down if you come from a working class background that people don't get. You've got your friends who are maybe going the wrong way, yeah, but you've got to be loyal to your friends. You've got your family who have got their own problems because of lack of money and lack of opportunity. And that whole world that you come from has a greater degree of gravity. If you're talking about flying off into the sunset and, and doing your own thing and soaring as a person, you have so much more gravity. Now, it's not just that you start behind as a working class kid. You've got so much more gravity. It's the gravity of poverty, the things that pull you back in. And it is... It is, it is a massive, massive thing, and 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 put that beside the barriers that people have because of the way you talk or where you're from, or because you've not got the same friends that they've got, or a bit of nepotism here, or a bit of nepotism there. It's so fucking difficult for working class kids to get out of the shit places that they find themselves in, and it's a it's fucking criminal. The gravity of poverty, things pulling you back in, the barriers. It's 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 a it's it's a. I look at my mates and my friends and where they've come from who are all successful in their own right, even even just as property developers or joiners or, you know, accountants or whatever, and you think to yourself, I, I wonder how the hell you ever managed it because yes. of where you started for. And it's not just where you start for, it's continually. And I've felt it myself. My, 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 my family or the situations that my family have dragged me into or, or whatever, it, 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 it pulls you back. As you said, loyalty and... and- I I believe that too because you can visualize it. Somebody had said this similar as like if you can imagine a bunch of bubbles. Aye. It says if they're floating up high, you're in positive things. It's easy to pull up. Aye. But if you're in the, that group of bubbles that's going nowhere, Aye. It's hard to break free. Aye. As you're saying, I actually said this last night that you're same part of Clay Bank, right? Uh, same age, what have you? We've got friends. I actually said to this wife last night. I says I've got a lot of friends suffering from stimulant abuse that are really in bad places. Right. And it's so hard. Try and do what you can. But as you know, you can't do stuff for people either. If somebody's got, like, reliant on, say, drink, mm-hmm. you can't really do anything for them. You can try and be supportive and do Aye. what you can, but it's, it's really up to them. And that's the first thing with alcohol. you got to kind of admit you've got Aye. the problem to seek help. Definitely. And I'm always trying to be positive. I've... I've 
This I knew this from but if you're sixteen a, that had boys I, that became alcoholics. But if you're a, if you're an if you're an upper middle middle class person, and you, even if you hit the courts and the courts get a hoddy, it'll be oh well, you're going to go to rehab and you're going to do this and you're going to do that, and they get an easier ride. I mean, how many celebrities do you know that that? Uh, I've had substance problems and it's and it, you know, whatever, it is, uh, whatever it is, right? That's what they call it. But, but it's you, not. You, 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 you go into you go into working class areas and it's that wee junkie bastard that's going to steal you or whatever. It's different. And and you tell me if this right. This is one example. It's a boxer that I know who's no. Um, it's no any of the two you think it might be a young fella, beautiful young man, and, a, and not a bad bone in his body. One of the nicest guys, quiet girlfriend, looks after his brother who's a wee bit of substance problem as well mm-hmm. and he's just the nicest nicest fella and he now doesn't box he does another job promising young boxer out at night time maybe in his early 20s goes to a place where there's a load of sailors in the sailors start picking on him he gets kicked out the three sailors that are picking on him get kicked out as well don't forget his girlfriend's here he runs down the street thins them out and then walks back down the line and knocks fuck out the three of them three sailors three military men I've got I've, I've got a lot of time for the military, but this is three guys ganging up on one guy. He got the jail for six months, and it totally kicked his life off the rails. Six months in the jail for the nicest guy you would ever meet. Wouldn't he say boot a ghost, horrible person? These boys, uh, he, 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 he did, as far as I'm concerned, if he had to go one way and they were stopping him going that way, and he's running away, and they're chasing him, and he, he decides to turn back and ensure that they're not going to get to him or his girlfriend... I think that's fine. I think that's self-defence. And I can't see for the life of me why they decided to put him in a jail. And would that happen to somebody else? I don't know. Young working-class kid, life ruined because he decided to defend himself against greater odds. You know, that that is true. And even a guy that is maybe a bit fragile from, you say, for money. A good person is a good person, but some people, as you say, the circumstance that's so hard that if they get that boot in the balls, that it just will affect them so deeply, financially, friends, family. Aye. Britain is a very, like, when I first moved it was all class because in Canada, I've never really got that vibe. I grew up in a place like, have you been to Toronto ever? Mm. It was like, when I grew up, it was the most diverse place pretty much on the planet. Aye. We grew up with everybody, and I'm not saying I'd ever seen colour, because we had all different groups. Mm-hmm. No, I had the Scottish side and my dad's Greek, but I had guys from Jamaica, Poland, everything. Aye. And it was cool. And then it came to Scotland and I'm like, it's, it's all money difference. Aye. The most the most divisive places I find are the are the busy middle, so you I, you you meet people who are very well off, old money toffs, and they don't care a fudge where you come from, and but it's it's the it's the but it's that that jostling sharp elbowed middle ground wherever these jostling for opportunities that's that's where. Um, that, that's where things are divided, I think, and it's that you know if you want to be accepted in that world, then um, you either need to go round it or or you know bust your way through it, or or you kind of get absorbed and get kicked out the other side and end up back where you were again. I oh, mean, you'll see it coming back. What do you think of like Claybank? I think I love Claybank. I think during lockdown, it's really suffering by you. Oh, definitely. I don't say no everybody else, but I just like it's. The, the stories I'm saying like I've, I'm trying to keep positive and stuff and the, having the kids but I've got friends that are stuck in flats themselves I'm going to put it out there and I don't care I, I'm completely against lockdown I think it's I you think the government's it. overstepping 
it's remit to the people. I think we should be shielding the sick. I think we should be looking after people as best we can. But I think we've got, if there's a sliding scale between zero, doing nothing and doing what we're doing, I think we've got the balance completely wrong because I think actually we're missing out on the people that are dying and they, will die from mental health problems and cancers. Is, well, <clears throat> there's been a few really, like, we had a, uh, my mother-in-law passed away during it, right? She Sorry. had a uh, dementia. Mm. So she was in a home. And that, what I said from the very beginning, they let these people down. There was no PPE. There was no nothing. The one, one in Clyde Bank, I'm sure, you know, don't quote numbers, but I know a ton of people. I think about 20-odd people passed away, right, from it. it wait, they were taking them in the hospital and sending them back. Now, a guy like you're a fit, healthy man, you can't go about with common sense, washing your hands and just, Aye. you'll be fine if you get it, right? My mother won't, and she's of the same mind. She's a she's a she's a terminally ill um, lung disease patient. She won't be fine. She gets it. She's dead, but she's still going to live her life. That's her choice, isn't it? Exactly. And that's what, but life, and that's what I'm saying is like, and I see. That's why I'm saying they're overstepping their, their the mark. The conspiracy theories are getting really bad. They think if you're scared, you can stay indoors. Exactly, and I says, you know what? Just, but people are getting very angry towards other people doing stuff, and you're hearing fights. I actually met another friend of mine, and I won't mention names. He's armed response. Aye. And the police. Right. He says, you'll be quiet in there, nothing happened. He says, mate, see the amount of domestics that are happening now because people are locked up together. Aye. Uh, there's a young local boy, unfortunately, that passed away. I believe that his, he wasn't getting the treatment that he needed because of the lockdown and things. Aye. And I'm hearing more and more things, and I'm like, well, actually going the worst way with mental health and everything. Totally. So... Well, I always wear a mask wherever I go as required. And that's not because I agree with it, but that's because I don't want to scare people. Because there's so much fear going on Aye, out you there. you care for people and you don't want to hurt Aye. them. Aye. But if you really, I mean, if you look at the numbers, Office of National Statistics numbers, 600,000 people every single year die in the UK. That's a government figure. 300,000 of those are from the big six diseases that are... they're dying prematurely so that's that's cancers first and foremost heart disease lung disease Alzheimer's and dementia these these types of diseases so the the, the big six are killing 300,000 people a year which is 25,000 people a month more than 28,000 people a month so if you're losing one person every couple of weeks or even if you're even if you're losing 200 people a month or 200 people a week to COVID, you're still only at a place where we were in the 1990s where the flu season kicked in, or in 2018 when 20,000 people were dying during those, a, a month, during those months, um, those winter months. So taking it in, in taking it in, t- taking it beside those figures, there is an argument, and I respect the, ar- the other side of the argument as well, because I don't want to scare people or whatever. You've got to put, you've got to put things in place now that we're scared of it. You've got to put things in place to look after and protect those people. But what I'm saying is the sliding scale is we, we should be reserving capacity for people with cancers and heart diseases and all the rest Absolutely, of it, mate. and we should, we should be allowing. I also feel really bad about about, about our youth as well because they're practically immune to it in a lot of ways, even compared to flu or TB. TB kills 1.5 million people a year throughout the world. And now we've hit the million mark. But TB kills 50% more than that every year. And we've no lockdown for TB. So I get it. I get why we're locking down. I get that people are unsure about it. It's an unknown, unknown sort of thing. 
But do you but, feel as if that they probably should just admit to the mistakes they should made and try and explain stuff because people and don't yet, know what the hell's happening. And yet, it's the, the Scot- that's why the Scottish government frustrates me because it's it's all about transparency. It's all about being transparent. So what, but, but they're the not really being transparent, right? Effective. And then you can't go to families' <clears throat> houses to check people to make sure they're okay. Because do you know we had the director on? Because it's a big, podcast. it's one big risk assessment. It's one big role in risk assessment. That's all it is. It's not about this can do this then and this can do then. It's one big role in risk assessment to just try and keep the numbers down and the R value down. Well, what's the numbers of people, as it says? Uh, James was in, he's from Springburn, he says there's a ton of suicides. Aye, and there will be. on the edge of society. When, when, when so many billions <laughs> get wiped off the economy, there will be more suicides. When the opportunities in, uh, that we had as kids don't come to the people that are practically immune to it. The, the, I mean, these, kid, these uni kids... They should have told them before they left home, but they brought them from their homes and their families and their support network into student halls for the first time in their life as kids, and then they put them in fucking jail for two weeks, and they've got people people patrolling the corridors and saying you're you're off the course if you decide to go. They've just put them in fucking it's jail. A police state, now, isn't it? It's bollocks, especially that, that one. Crazy. And these kids are practically immune. To you. I mean, even if they get it, and I know they're passing the on other people arrested. away from the family environment, totally. as you says, but we just spoke about you. Totally. And we're, no ask, we're asking them to pay for it two or three times over because we're like, there you go, have, you, you've got oil debt because we're staying behind doors with the horn out through the letterbox. If, you're, if you don't, let's, let's as a society commit to looking after the people that are scared and vulnerable. If you want to stay behind the door, fine. If you don't, Go out and work and let's get the shoulder behind the wheel and get society moving again. And let these kids show us what they can do because they are practically... I mean, let them work for us. Let them fucking... Let them do it. Because that's what they want to do. And, and it's, it's no way to live your life in fear. There's no way to live your life. I, I, I just... I can't see it being a life. Imagine you being a kid. Like, I've got three, so I've got my youngest who is developing, so he needs contact from other kids and stuff. Literally to for his mind to grow right. Aye. I've got my other boy who needs his uh, physical activities and stuff. It does really well and feels good doing it and it keeps him. And then I've got my daughter who's coming up next. She'll be doing the exams and stuff. And they we're learning over PCs. And not to disrespect the teachers, but even the stuff they were learning, it was crap. All these kids falling, they're feeling comfortable and they can't learn. And I'm like, are we going to keep on doing this? And what happens when another thing comes in? Are we going to do this again? No, no. And then you've got older people passing through the last door scared and lonely and alone but how many people like you and her as well Chris that have just went fuck it I've got one life I want to live it and and to be honest I've been keeping saying this it proves that we just need each other aye you've got your friends you've got your family that's what we need I know you're a big Hollywood actor and you drive around in your Ferrari and all that but <laughs> yeah, I wish I know but you I'm sure that it really hits home that you just you come back you, you know it's important aye these relationships you've got with loved ones. Oh, definitely, definitely. You talk about your pals. You need to get back to them every so often. And see if we're just saying you can't do it, you can't do it, you can meet in the pub. Uh, it's to be to be even aside for COVID. What I've found is 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 that um, the pursuit of fame can be a very toxic endeavour. It can really change people. Right. Um, and if, uh, you can think that standing in front of a camera and saying somebody else's words is much more important than who you are at home and it is a lovely job and it's amazing so it's such a a great thing to be able to go and do the stuff that I've done and have the experiences that I've got but the 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 biggest lesson that that I've ever learned <clears throat> is that your family and your friends 
are much more important. And and who, 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 who it's much more important to be close to them because they're the people that support you and, and be, but sometimes being an actor is a hell of a lonely place. You're in a hotel in the middle of nowhere with nobody else around you twiddling your thumbs wondering what the fuck you're going to do yeah, for the next couple stuff, of days. Aye. Well. Um, so those relationships and keeping and, and, and keeping those and I'm, I'm, I'm sometimes guilty of not cultivating them as much as I should. I think um, most people are like that really. Aye. I don't think people ever do enough for the ones that they love. I found, I found lockdown, that's been the most frustrating part of lockdown is not being able to have you been those. up here most of the time? I've been up here all the time. I bought a house up here. I've got my whole family up here. But I'm not a great technical person. I don't like doing Zoom calls and this call and that call. I, I, I prefer, because I don't say much when I'm with my family. I just kind of sit there or we go walks. Or Same, and you know whatever. what? I'm not even thinking. Like, <clears throat> I like hugging as well, you know. Like my mum, I love the hugs, the kids. I'm, it's just, even just sitting there, like, I'll, that's <laughs> sitting in my living room. With my three kids, my wife, and the dog sitting in the movies on. I, I, sometimes we watch the movie. I'm just watching them, and I'm like, I feel great sitting here. You know, is what mm. you said. Just want to be amongst them, get that feel off aye. them. Aye, aye. And we're taking that away, and we see people that are suffering. Aye, I know it's it's um, it's, and I think anybody that's that's a lot of the people that I've met who are very far on in their careers and have achieved what a lot of us would describe as, as, as a career as opposed to me, you know, kind of looking to try and duck and dive and get there. These guys who are very, very established um, all completely have that mindset, you know, that as much as they do what they do, what's important to them is, uh, you know, the other aspects of life that, that we, we can all take for granted. because they've got that thing that most of us are shooting for is not really what we need. Aye, and they've got the same problems. Like, exactly the same problems. Well, you see these rich people killing themselves like Kurt Cobain or that, like people like, oh, why, why? And I'm like, Aye. because it wasn't what he wanted. What you think you want, Aye. it's just never what it is. So it's, not, it's maybe know that the grass is greener. So but past a certain point, if you get ever now sell, the grass is the same colour anywhere you go. Do you know the same? You, you get so famous <clears> that maybe these relationships you have with people just totally change as well, and that's what makes you sadder as well. So you've get. But they always come back to that with regret, don't they? If, if people do lose their, their way a wee bit, they kind of come back to it with regret and say, actually, hold on a minute, I should have. Those were the important things. Um Because you can't take any of that way, you can you? I mean, really, all that's that's you've got when you when you pass through the final door at the end is to is to is to kind of assess what you did and who you did it with and and how how good that was or how bad it was or the Egyptians tried to take it with them and we just dug it up and stole it back off them you know what I mean you, that's that <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true do you remember the person you were know the stuff you had uh, and uh, pretty good way to finish the podcast would you say thanks very much buddy I appreciate your Mate, time that was brilliant man you were getting right into that there man it was like <laughs> go on man I need to start doing video and all that we can be seen Chris aye aye Proper in character there, mate. No, that was brilliant, mate. I really appreciate it. And just quickly, because I don't know if I did, I just wanted to thank Dom for hooking us up so you could come on because we spoke about you previously. I'd seen you working a lot. Get him on. Anytime, buddy. Well, I'll hold you to that, mate. You might regret that. Aye, bring me back. Okay, mate. (laughs) Cheers. Take it easy. Bye-bye.